Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor, news editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And here we are back at CAB, Comics Arc Brooklyn's, and we're on the floor at the first, second booth. As you can tell, in the midst, uh, the belly of the beast, you could say. And I'm here with, uh, with Jim Wang, uh, who has is the co-creator of the new graphic novel in real life with the amazing Cory Doctorow. So, Jen, uh, thank you so much for being on More to Come. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for coming to talk to me. Well, I mean, I, part of one reason why I wanted to talk to you, and I, as I mentioned to you earlier, was that uh, you know I was online and I can't remember the name of the comic that you used to do. Uh, it was called Strings of Fate. Yes, it was an yes. online comic that yes. I did uh, around I think maybe like. Early 2000s. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. So you were this was really out in front. Yeah. Uh, this was around the time that I had discovered Mega Tokyo. Yeah, yeah. It was the same era. And I remember I, uh, and it was interesting because it was sort of a work in progress. I mean, it was a <laughs> web comic, but not in the same way perhaps that people would see it, think of it today. Because you would put pages up. And it would be sort of be a constant discussion going on between you and your audience. Is that a fair description, or? or? Well, it wasn't. Um, it wasn't a strip. Uh, it was sort of like this um, kind of continuous story. So it would be what you know would eventually be, a, I guess, what we would call a graphic novel now. Yeah. You know, except mm-hmm. I just updated it like maybe five pages at a time. So it doesn't have that sort of like weekly quality. I think that mm-hmm. people sort of. Uh, expect from web comics, yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, but that was just sort of what I guess my my uh, comic training wheels. <laughs> yeah, but it was for me. It was really interesting because you. I mean, you're 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 working your working uh, um, process was so public. I mean, because oh, yeah, you seem yeah. to be very open to discussing every page and every line uh, with your audience. Well, I remember um, that because I was very strict about the um, about putting something out every week or other week, however the schedule mm-hmm. was, that sometimes I wouldn't finish and then I would just put up um, like pencil pages yeah, or yeah. ink pages, <laughs> and that was okay because it was. I was like, well, it's on the web; it's not it's not published or anything. Who cares? And then I would finish it later. Um, so I think I totally forgot that until just now that I put in like in progress materials, yeah, up, yeah. just so I could get um, the update done. So, but it was really fabulous for me to sort of watch an artist kind of work through their creative, you know, process, you know, uh, you know, in the public arena. Even though you didn't consider it being published, and I guess in those days it probably wasn't, but it was certainly you know available, and it was really great as an insight into into drawing and thinking about storytelling. Yeah, well, I mean, I definitely wanted to do comics, but I didn't really have the experience. So part of it's just I I'm trying to learn how to do comics, and putting it online is just one way for me to figure that out. You know, whatever so I, happened, I learned a lot. Whatever happened to it? Is it still online? Um, I think it's actually being passed around, uh-huh. uh, like sort of uh, on BitTorrent or something. Oh, really? <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. I, I don't actually know for sure what's what's up, but it's not currently online because I, uh, when the domain went off, I just uh-huh. I just left it. You know, I never put it back out. But I know that there are like. You know, hobbies out there. For well, you. on the internet, nothing ever really goes <laughs> no, away. No, it doesn't. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, let's talk about in real life. Uh, I mean, it, 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 well, besides being a great story, beautifully illustrated, you know, the, the comic seems to really 
uh, have a lot of issues that I seem to be going on in contemporary like girls in gaming, uh, uh, China, uh, um, you know, work and labor and 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 then how we use the internet. Can you talk a little bit about? In fact, tell our listeners, you know, what the story is about. Um, well, the story uh, in real life is about this young girl uh, called Anda, who she's uh, she's a big nerd, she's a big gamer, she's playing this online uh, RPG, and that's it's kind of like World of Warcraft, and she discovers this whole world that uh, you know involves school farming, which is this thing that people do to. Um, to sort of make money online yeah. uh, through these games, and it's kind of illegal. And she discovers that there are people in China who are doing this to make money um, for very, very cheap labor. And she, yeah, it just becomes this big discussion about there's a lot of um, sort of sexism and racism and kind of inequality that's really reflective of what's happening in real life, yeah. even though it's completely in this like really abstract game world. So, um, so yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, obviously the, the writer on this was uh, the, the novelist uh, Cory Doctorow, mm-hmm. uh, and sort of internet free thinker and, yeah. and thinker. So, how did you come to uh, be the artist on this, and what's it like working with Cory Doctorow? Uh, well, it was actually kind of we were we were set up by the publisher for a yeah. second. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess he had been trying to uh, I guess pitch a different story to them, but they wanted this uh, short story that he had written called Anda's Game, mm-hmm. uh, which is essentially. Um, uh, it's online. You can read it, and it's basically the same story, but they wanted to adapt it mm-hmm. uh, because a lot has changed since uh, he started writing it, and sure. a lot has mm-hmm. changed in, in the in the culture in China and the internet and online gaming. Sure. So um, yeah. So first, I get asked if I wanted to do it, um, and uh, I yeah, I read the short story and I thought it was really interesting, and I mm-hmm. thought there could be a lot of things there that we could expand on, yeah. and. Um, and it's it's really it's really relevant. Yeah, you know, yeah, it certainly is. Well, how was it working with Corey? I mean, did you guys go back and forth on things, or? Yeah, I, I would write a draft uh, and send it to him, and he would sort of make little notes and little things that uh, you know little, little ideas that he had mm-hmm. to add to it, and we kind of went back and forth until we got a script that we were both happy with, and and then I was pretty much given free reign to draw it however I liked. Um, like, you know, I designed it however I wanted, and and, uh, and I don't think he really even saw the finished product uh, or any of the drawings until it was finished. So, oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we just, we just went for it. Um, so, um, well, it's really beautifully done, full-color book. Are, are you a gamer yourself? Not really. Yeah. I mean, I play I play games on my phone. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like uh, I play I play some games that um, that people recommend to me on like mm-hmm. Steam and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm pretty into like interactive fiction games. Uh-huh. Uh I, I I guess I don't know. Maybe it's like a comics thing, but I, I definitely am drawn to the sort of narrative elements of um, of gaming. So. Uh, so I'm not I'm not a traditional gamer, but I, I do play some games. Yeah. yeah. Now this is your second book for for a second, for, for am a second, I right? Yeah. Yeah. So um, can you tell them because I, I, mean, I apologize I've forgotten the title of the first one which I also read. Uh, the first is one really... is called Coco Be Good. Yes. 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 Um, and, also, yeah, and that's also illustrated. you wrote and 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 through that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and that's also available yeah. for first second. Yeah, there you so, go. Yeah. Uh, so, well, we're here in the middle of the floor, and I guess you're going to be doing a signing in a little bit. Uh, yeah. Or, I, you probably should be doing it right <laughs> yes. now, as I see yeah. people looking over here. <laughs> 
Well, well look, Jen, look, it was really great to talk to you. Uh, thanks for being on Morning Con, and good luck with the book. Thank you so much. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. Uh, I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor at Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Well, this week in our never-ending uh, attempt to bring you the, the, some of the, uh, the most interesting work in comics, we're at Comics Art Brooklyn. At CAB, to those in the know, uh, a new, uh, well, relatively new, this is like the fourth or fifth year of CAB, uh, takes place in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, at a uh, church, the Mount Carmel Church, and uh, I'm lucky enough to be here today with Oliver Schrowen, who has a new book coming out uh, from Fanagraphics. Uh, Oliver, thank you for being on More to Come. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. <laughs> so, uh, your book is called uh, Arsene Schrowen. Uh, it, uh, I, I've only read a, a small bit of it. I've read some excerpts. Uh, very impressive. Uh, it's, it seems to be, or is it, or is it actually a history of your family? That's certainly how the the, the fictional voice that we hear is starting up. That's certainly what it sounds like. So, is it is it real nonfiction or is it fictitious nonfiction? <laughs> I don't I don't really know how to call it, but. Um, I introduced it as a story about my grandfather yeah. and going to the Belgian colonies, but I, I, I don't even define which kind of colony, but you mm -hmm. can kind of deduce that it's in Congo, or, mm -hmm. but in, in fact it's, um, it's a fictional story with a lot of autobiographical elements and some, some uh, things that my grandfather actually experienced, but the whole thing is quite... I mean, it's a totally invented story yeah. with, with a personal uh, dimension. Uh, great, yeah, great. Yeah. Um, maybe we can tell our audience uh, a little bit about your background, because I, actually I don't know too much about you, but I saw the book and I was mm. very impressed with it. So, obviously you're from Belgium. I'm from Belgium and we have this, uh, I mean, I really grew up in a, like a comic book culture. My father uh -huh. drew comics oh, really? as yeah. a hobby and, mm -hmm. and I had a, had a lot of books at home, so I just... Uh, Seems very natural to always read and make comics myself. So, so you always wanted to make to make comics. I, yeah, and I just mm -hmm. always did it. It seems very now. It seems very normal. I don't. I, yeah. It's, it's sure, sure. A natural thing to do. So, uh, have you been to uh, the U.S. before? Uh, is this a, a first trip, or have you been other times? I've been here uh, once, two years ago, on the same festival. Uh, uh -huh. mm -hmm. to, to go to camp as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, and I, I think you're going to be doing some signings today. Yeah, mm -hmm. later on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, can you tell us a little bit more about the book? Um, can you tell us maybe a little bit more about the story? Um, well, the story is, is kind of, it's almost a bit like a soap-style uh, premise. So, my grandfather goes to the to the colony, and he's a very nondescript person. You don't really know what, he, what he's like. This, his personality is very undefined. And he uh, meets with a with a cousin there, and this cousin is working on a, a, a big uh, architectural mm -hmm. project, which is to build like a modern city in in the jungle of uh, yeah. of uh, Congo. And um, my grandfather, who seems to be kind of a nitwit, <laughs> is, is like helping him, and then eventually he ends up heading the whole project, which is, which is bound to be disastrous somehow. Um, he pulls it off, or he pulls it off to a certain degree. Yeah. Well, it, it, it well it, it starts very in a very nondescript way. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, um, and it, it be, seems to become, you know, more fantastic after, mm. as every page passes. Mm. Uh, uh, your, your drawing style mm. really is engaging. I mean, it seems almost schematic-like at points. Mm. Um, so, and which actually sort of adds to the comedy. Mm. 
Yeah, I, that's not really my normal way of working. Normally, I, I, it's more full color and much more detailed. Really? Yeah. But yeah. now it's the text is like dictating the. the you really, you are following the text through the book, um, not really the drawings. So I thought the drawings can be very simple, and you have <laughs> yeah. all the atmosphere is in the text, and you kind of project it onto these very simple drawings. Uh, I mean, could you, do you have any specific influences among artists or uh, that you could, could mention? Or? Um, there's so many, but I, I can't uh, even think of uh, one now. <laughs> I'm sorry to say. Uh, it, it's really like a, a whole melting pot of, of, influ of influences. Uh, okay, um, so, um, well... You've been here, maybe you can tell our viewers, our, our listeners rather, yeah. a little bit about Comics Arts Movement. You, this is your second time. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can describe for them uh, what, what the show is like here. You're going to be signing, I guess, in a little while, right? I'll be signing uh, later on. I mean, this festival is quite, a, I mean, it's the most, uh, like, trendy kind of, <laughs> very uh, young and, uh, and well-dressed people. Uh, yeah, it's it's, it's kind of amazed. I feel like uh, like some uh, some bum from the street. Uh. Well, it is kind. Of, well, it is kind of a, uh, you know if you if you anyone who associates comics with hipsters would yeah. feel right at home here. It, it's so. really a, yeah. a very specific demographic. Mm. But the comics uh, really are uh, really pretty amazing. Yeah, it's really the stuff that interests me. That's uh, yeah, that's yeah. So anyway, look, this is this is great. Um, like I said, I'm very anxious to finish reading your book, and, and thank you so much for being on More to Come. No problem. Welcome to More to Come, PW Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, senior news editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. Okay, we're right back here at Cab Comics Art Brooklyn, and uh, I have the great pleasure to be with Tim Lane here. We're, we're outside now because it's a, uh, I did a little er, an interview a little earlier. It wasn't quite as crowded, but it, the place is filling up. Anyway, uh, Tim, thanks for being on More to Come. Thank you. Thank you for the interview. Um, uh, I, well, I've got a, a couple of questions. You've got a new book out now called The Lonesome Go, the Lonesome Go. Uh, from Pepe and the Graphics. Um, uh, I, was, I was far more aware of you by reputation than having actually read your work. I uh -huh. finally have read some of the stories in Abandoned Cars. Uh, um, they're intense. Um, they're, they're introspective. They're surreal. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe you can uh, uh, talk a little bit to our audience about uh, just about your thinking about how you put your stories together. Sure. Um, well, the stories for both uh, Abandoned Cars and The Lonesome Go are stories. They're, they're technically short stories that all fall together under a, under a, a similar theme or similar themes. And the, the characters in the stories are very much the type of people who are living in the sort of the dark shadows of the American dream. Uh, characters who are, you know, not necessarily the, what the world would consider as um, successes uh, and very much just sort of every, everyday people. Uh, my storytelling process is that I, I begin by writing a prose piece, a prose short story, <laughs> And that's then once that's finished, I break it down into panel arrangements and start editing mm. the text so that, uh, you know, it's mm. not too wordy. Mm. Well, it, it, these are ordinary American people, but they do seem to be sort of straight out of a classic sort of American folk yeah. mythology. Absolutely. The, Absolutely. The, uh, the freight train jumper, yep. The, yep. Uh, you know, the, the roadside... Um, for want of a better term, white trash, yeah. roadhouse. Absolutely. Um, uh, really, that that level of marginalized American culture that that kind of produced the blues and yes. other likely. But these are also sort of our people kind of at 
the end of the line. Yeah, they're they're at the end of the line. They're at their wits' end. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's uh, thank you for mentioning the freight trains and the the roadside bars mm-hmm. and things like that because those things I think are also a kind of a part of the American mythology. Sure. Mm-hmm. And so those those are in a sense characters in the stories. Those mm-hmm. you know the cars, the freight trains, yeah. the motorcycles, all yes. of those things. Yes. Are char- I think of them as characters. In fact, I even think of the landscape as part of the characters because it's really important where mm-hmm. these pla- things are taking place, where the stories are taking place. The environment tends to play a role in the experience that the, the characters are having. But yeah, um, yeah, I think I think that you know there there is an ab- an element of mythology that I'm interested in. Uh, and you, you mentioned folk music and the blues, mm-hmm. um, stories like Stagger Lee, for example. Mm-hmm. Great folk song, great blues song. Um, it's a great story that yes. about a guy who actually existed, and but you know depending on what what song what 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 it, what rendition of that song, what version of that song you hear, names and dates change, uh-huh. uh, locations change. Uh, you know the only thing that is for sure about that story is that. Somebody got shot over a Stetson hat. Yeah. And so I really like those kinds of stories where you can be told, you know, the, the story can be told in any number of ways and kind of reinvented by each per, each musician who, who, who covers the song. So I, I feel that folk music and blues music is as great a storytelling vessel as movies, as literature, as graphic novels, as any other storytelling medium. Oh, know? well, without a doubt, I, I recall, uh, I can't remember one music critic talking about the, the titles of jazz tunes being like a, one of the great, like, uh, unheralded literary, literary genres of our time. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, uh, well, I think it's interesting that you start from a short story. I mean, you yep. really actually write a story story. I yep. mean, these are these are really great stories. Thank you. I mean, well, I'm curious, the, why turn them into comics? Because uh, uh, there's a bunch of reasons. Uh, one of them is just because that feels the most authentic to me. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I've been a drawer since I was mm-hmm. very little, and the idea of just writing straight po- prose feels inauthentic to me. Mm-hmm. Comics make sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I you know grew up from in a very middle-class, pop-culture-oriented environment where comics were prevalent. And um, comics don't... There's nothing pretentious about comics. There's nothing that's intimidating about comics. And so I like that kind of medium to have a rapport with people who are, you know, whoever is interested in reading it. Um, I don't like the idea of, I mean, it's not that I have a problem with with great literature or great art, but for me, I don't feel comfortable expressing myself through those mediums. Mm. They're, they're just a little too highbrow for me. Mm. So uh, comics, mm-hmm. you know, comics is the perfect medium for Well, like I, for sure. Obviously, that's why we're here. No. Um, uh, it, hold on a second. Um, sure. uh, um, well, one of the things that really grabbed me about the stories, uh, in addition to these, these kind of tales of people at their end of the line, yeah. you kind of juxtapose them with these very, sometimes very uh, introspective, very surreal sort of um, interior narratives where you have a, a character kind of exploring his own brain for, yeah, for the reader. You're thinking of the second-class citizen, the guy yeah, who's yeah, in the they, basement? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, well, they seem to be a couple of stories. Sometimes they seem to be uh, elements to sort of help you transition from one story to the sure, next. Sure, sure. But sure. I, I'm curious about those because those often are can be very surreal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah well, whereas I, the others seem almost inc- almost too real. Huh. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I think I think the reason for the surreality is because for my ex- myself, my subjective experience in the world often 
is more surreal and more <laughs> fantastical than the everyday experience, yeah. you know. So I feel like there's an element, including surreality into a story or something that's sort of fantastical, is um, it's just truer to yeah. me mm-hmm. of life experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then on the other hand, I, I like very much just straight realism, a sort of Raymond Carver-esque straight mm-hmm. realism. Um, so I'm always, you know, kind of, yeah. I'm a mess. I, I'm trying to figure out which... <laughs> well, I'm not going like, to psychoanalyze you no, from your story. That would be too easy for me to try to do. <laughs> right. Um, I'm a punching bag waiting, <laughs> waiting, waiting for the glove. Um, I am curious, though, about your drawing, obviously. I mean, they the are stark black and white drawings. Uh, and, and your style goes from you know, sometimes incredibly uh, polished to very raw. Yeah. But even when they're polished, they have a raw edge to them. I mean, it, it, it would seem that there's some uh, you have some interest in like Charles Burns Absolutely. and certainly R. Crumb, right. but I'd love to to know more about how your drawing style has evolved. Sure, um, and why biggest... black and white? They're all black and white, right? Uh, well, black and white is because it's cheaper. Yeah. Well, there um, you go. And I and another thing that I really love about comics is yeah. yeah the <laughs> thing I love about yeah. comics is that initially the idea was anybody could buy it, mm-hmm. and that's another mm-hmm. thing I like about comics mm-hmm. is that. There was a time back when I was growing up when you, if you had two bucks, you could buy a comic. Yeah, yeah. it's not like that's that a, anymore. It was a long yeah, time yeah. ago, <laughs> but uh, but that was the idea. And at the time I was growing up in the '80s, um, Kitchen Sink Press was sure. reproducing comics from the '50s and '40s. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. reproducing Will Eisner's The Spirit, mm-hmm. and then they were all these great EC shock suspense crime stories. Mm-hmm. All of these wonderful old comics mm-hmm. or comics from the '50s. And I just ate that stuff up. I thought it was gorgeous. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, um, Al Feldstein, Jack Kamen, Johnny Craig, those guys yeah, yeah, yeah. those guys sure, were gods sure. to me. Yeah. Uh, and Will Eisner, uh, you know, it was years later that I found out that he was recognized as being an important character in, in the graphic novel world. I knew him strictly through the spirit, and I mm-hmm. love that stuff from the mm-hmm. 40s. But, um, so, so, yeah, that stuff was, in a really early time, very influential. And then, yeah, when I got into my... Probably my mid. No, I was in my early twenties when I first read uh, like a Velvet Glove Cast and Iron yes, by, by Klaus. <laughs> Interesting, you should mention that. And yeah. to me, that was like yeah. shit. Yeah. You can actually do something really important and yeah. interesting through yeah. this medium. And to me, that was that was like a uh, that was a milestone yeah. for me. Yeah. Um, and of course, Charles Burns. You gotta love Charles Burns. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was it was Klaus. I think Klaus. Mm-hmm. And then um, uh, Paul Karasik was. Mm-hmm. Did I pronounce his right? Yes, Karasik. Yeah. You read this stuff and never hear anybody well, say yeah. it. Well, he's here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'll meet him. <laughs> um, but he he did. He was involved with a a graphic adaptation of Paul Auster's City of Glass, and that if just I, blew my mind. If I may interrupt you. Yeah. Last year at Cab, there was they they did the twentieth anniversary panel about that, and they had Paul was here, Auster. Uh, Art Spiegelman, who oh, was the over, yeah, the he editor, was overseeing it, yeah. uh, and of course the fabulous David Mazzucchelli. Yeah, who, oh my gosh! Yeah, so just to yeah to add to that, I, and I that was lucky so, enough to be oh, on the panel. Man, now but, I just yes. feel like a like a and a, I, if I a may say so, I, I hate to put me into your interview, but <laughs> no, that's okay. I wrote uh, the, the book wasn't widely reviewed at the time, but I wrote at PW at the time uh-huh. one of the early reviews of the book, and I was completely, what did you think? I was completely blown away. Was by that it. Not I'd never seen anything. I, I think more people know about. Uh, City of Glass through the graphic novel than they do through the actual prose novel these days. Yeah, I wouldn't, such, I wouldn't be surprised. It is, in fact, one of those rare books, an adaptation of a prose novel that's probably Very, now in the canon I know. of graphic novel I know. I, yeah. It was weird because like, I read that and then found... I, I, that was my yeah. introduction to Paul Auster. 
Yeah. And then oh, I went and, and said, read well, the New York I trilogy. You know my point. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was that. it was interesting. But Mazzucchelli was here too. Yeah. Well, yes. He, oh, yeah. They were all here that day. He may be walking. I'm, in fact, can't you probably be walking around wow. today? If I see him, that's amazing. I'll I, send him over I, to your I've table. I always <laughs> love that guy. I mean, that guy is just so incredible. He, he, and he's really. What amazing. really impressed me is that he he went to that really, like a stripped down mm-hmm. drawing technique. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. And this was incredible. a guy who started out as a superhero guy. I know, but he, yeah. he did and probably the coolest drawings of life. I think yes. it was Batman Year One or something. Yes, exactly. That's that another blew my mind when I was a book. kid. Yeah, yeah. 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 I was just like he was he was like an innovator. Yeah. There's certain he, things in that city of glass though that I mean you can't even imagine how they would have been illustrated, and yet he he did. I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know exactly. I was. I, do you know how long that took him to do? I don't. I, I don't, don't actually know. They, but they talked about all of this stuff about how they did it, and I, I even wrote a little. Some it, you can find it online. I even wrote a piece about the panel. Oh, cool! Um, I'll look and it up. With Paul talking about, um, yeah, what kind of bonding here? On the- <laughs> yeah, no, that's awesome. That is without a doubt one of the you know great books in graphic literature, with, without a doubt. I know. So, I, I, uh, I was just blown away yeah. by that. In fact, do you remember a guy named Bob Callahan? Sure, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Bob yeah. Well, he's kind of crazy, but yeah. I'll tell you how crazy. Uh, so I, I, when I read that book, I was 23 or something. Yeah, I was 23. Uh-huh. And I wrote a letter to him and sent him some oh, of my comics. Interesting. And he sent me back a, a letter. This was back when we wrote letters. Mm, yes. And, and, uh, and this would have been like 94. And he, um, he said, come on out to San Francisco. And, and I remember distinctly And where were you at the time? I was living in Minneapolis. Uh-huh. And so I distinctly remember him writing, and we'll use your something about like we'll use all the talent you have, or something like that. It was, and I was like, all right, I'm on my way. So I went out there, and man, he didn't have anything for me to do. I don't think he expected me to come out there. Well, that might have been it. Well, I, I you know, because I actually, Weird. I actually talked with him quite a bit because I mean, he was involved in Bob? a number of the books. Yeah, you're Bob, um, in the, the Neon Lit series. Yeah, which um, uh, City of Glass was a part of. Right, right. And, and, they, and they only got what. Yeah, Nightmare think, Alley and yeah, City of Glass right. were the only two that ever actually came of anything, right? Uh, yeah, there were there were one or two more, and I'm forgetting the names of the books. Um, the but premise I think of Neon Lit was great. Yes, it was. Um, but I think he, they ran into a problem with him delivering work and uh, stuff that I don't remember well, so I'm not going to talk about yeah, it right, and right. slander anybody. Right. Um, but this has taken me back a few years. Yeah, <laughs> me too. Because me this is really from the period where Publishers Weekly actually first began to actually write seriously and review graphic novels. Graphic novels. And, uh, and it was kind of a, a slow struggle because... There really was a sense, there, you know, was a reluctance to believe that comics could be book-length, yeah. serious works. Right. I mean, you know, it's okay, yeah, it's kids, superheroes, and stupid people, right. fine. Right. But, you know, to create a work of even serious genre literature, right. it was, there was resistance uh, Absolutely, among yeah. the editorial staff. I remember you know, that. And, and that in the was, book industry in general. Right. I remember that as being kind of a positive thing, being a young person trying to find a creative venue or a creative medium. It was attractive that it was not considered respectable um, at that time in the '90s, and but now it seems like a totally different world. Well, it is. It's transforming. I mean, this was a time when uh, you know I really. I actually had to promise my editors that I would not write about superhero comics at the time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because I said, look, there's plenty of other material. But that was fine because I was at the point I was in was was to open up the discussion to the fact that the, the comics are not a one genre uh, uh, medium. Right. I, look, I love superhero comics uh, in many ways myself. Uh-huh. Uh, that's what turned me into the 
goofy comics obsessive I am today. Yeah, I was going to ask, what got you into it? <laughs> oh, comics. I've been reading comics from a kid. I kind of fell out. But actually, it's funny. I've told this story before, but um, I kind of in and out of comics, and I was reading underground comics for a while, and then I stopped. And I moved to New York in the early 80s, and I saw an article in the Village Voice about this comics by these two Mexican-Americans and something called Love and Rockets. Oh, uh-huh. And I went out and I bought a copy. And a, a couple, bought a, I went out and just went to a, the local comic store and I bought a copy because it sounded so interesting. Yeah. And it just blew my mind. Yeah. I had never read comics like this before. Yeah, I, I really need to, to include Jaime Hernandez yes. in terms of, yes. like, influences. Yeah. He, yeah. he was... He was, and he still is. Yeah, he's just they, such a towering figure. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of got me going. And then I, I read Love and Rockets, and I got a chance to tell them this. I was in San Diego for their 30th anniversary, uh-huh. and I got to sort of they had a big panel, uh-huh. and I got to tell them afterwards that you brought me back in the comics <laughs> because of you. I started going to the comic shop again yeah. every Wednesday, but not necessarily for superheroes. I was looking for comics from Fantagraphics, from Drawing Quarterly. There was this whole new kind of comics right, that was being done. Right, Remember what Dave Paul was coming sure, out? Sure. Dan Klaus. So cool. these, were, these, were, these comics were amazing. I and know. they were really different from anything I'd seen before. They right. weren't quite the undergrounds. They were in some I ways they were more, what you would call them. It's they just were broader than that. Alternative. Yeah. I don't remember where well, they, they were set were up like at the, at the comic shop. naturalistic fiction, you know, yeah. that you saw anywhere. And it could be eccentric or crazy. Right. Uh, you know, it, anyway. Yeah, they set a lot Back of people's minds <laughs> ablaze, you know. Absolutely. I was one of them, yeah. Um, well, look, this has been really very interesting. And I, yeah. I had more, I'm trying to think, I had other, oh, I was hoping to get you to say a little bit about some of the short stories in Lonesome Go. Yeah. Like Spike, for instance, which yeah. I found to be just absolutely frightening yeah. to talk that's about. Yeah, that's the idea. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah, it was uh, pretty much in- incredible. Well, uh, I'll tell you the whole, the kind of background on that story. Mm-hmm. Um, I... It's actually pretty personal, but I'll, I'm willing to talk about it. My brother... Um, Let's move over a little bit. I think we're in the way of a wedding sure. or something here. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, this is a church. You might see a wedding parade. Yeah, yeah but this is a church, and I think that we're, uh, <laughs> we picked an odd place to do this, but go on. Right. <laughs> um, so, I, my brother was going through a divorce, and I remember one night I was, I was just on my way to moving to New York on the night that it happened. And I'll make this short. In a, in a, in a nutshell, I remember falling asleep on my parents' couch, which is where I was in transit to go to New York. And uh, my nephews were over there, and and I knew that there was all this terrible, terrible shit going down Mm -hmm. for my brother and his his wife, and that it was going to hit my nephews. And they had no idea. So, like, I... I was imagining this is the last moment of peace these kids might ever know. Mm. And so it, it, ever since that experience, I've always been very interested in, in children and what happens to children when they're thrown into an adult mm-hmm. world too mm-hmm. soon. And then I, I also, I'm a big fan of reading and um, reading about and researching uh, freight train hopping and uh-huh. that, that culture mm-hmm. in America. And I was reading about these kids that were called wild boys of the road that were mm. just kids who, in the 1930s, you know, their their families went were destitute, so they started hopping freight trains, mm. and all kinds of horrible things would happen to them. Uh, they would be used as um, by people who were called professions. Uh, they would be used as sex slaves and various things mm. in payment for learning the ropes and you know that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so that seemed like a good subject for this kind of concern, you know, this growing concern that I had about just when you take kids and you and you throw them into an adult world too soon, um, the tragedies that can happen. Mm-hmm. So I just tried to think of the worst, the worst kind of thing I could think of, you know, just yeah. the kind of worst 
adult world horror. And so a crazy racist was the guy I came up with. And so that's, that's, yeah. that's the basis of that story. And at the end, he's thrown out. Um, I, I intentionally don't leave any conclusion to that because, you know, we never know how any experience is going to really affect right. us. But, uh, but that's the idea. That's the heart of that story. Well, it's a stunning story, and I Thanks. was like reading it almost with my hands over my eyes. I mean, yeah. It was really that kind of... I mean, it's I, not I a horror story, I but it you. essentially is a horror story. It's a horror story. Yeah. It's a yeah. horror story, yeah. um, but it's, it's, it's a real horror yeah. story. You know? uh, I, I actually, you know, I'm, I'm from St. Louis, where the whole Ferguson thing went down. Yeah, oh, right. And yeah. that sort of thing is... Yeah. I'm afraid it's a contemporary yeah. concern. It's yeah. still a contemporary yeah. concern. Yeah. But and kids in the street is still a contemporary. Yeah, absolutely. Concern, you know? Yeah, uh, but I don't know. Yeah. So that's where that yeah. story comes from. Anyway, look, Tim, this has been really awesome. It's um, been a, and that's thank at you the so Lonesome much. Go, um, Lonesome uh, Go. Uh, from Fantagraphics and also Abandoned Cars, and Abandoned uh, one of your cars. earlier works. Yep. Uh, check them out. Believe me, uh, they're riveting. It's it's like a car accident. You don't want to look. You can't <laughs> yeah. turn away. Right. Right. Anyway, well thank said. you so much for being on absolutely. More to Come. Now, thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Thanks a lot. A, a pleasure. Absolutely a pleasure.